Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Pastor Josh. We're excited to have you join us as we look into the Bible to explore the divine descent. And it's Christmas time. So for Christians, for Christ followers, this is the season that, that we reflect on the birth of Jesus. And, and we, we really turn our focus and our attention to its deep significance, the birth of Christ. And so uh, in all of us, there's this, I'd say, a curiosity, even an intrigue when it comes to us knowing the divine. Here we are, humans on earth, trying to understand from our limited perspective and vantage point, uh, we're trying to understand God. And this idea that the divinity came down from heaven to earth, uh, this, you know, we get this from the Bible. We learn about that from God's word, the Bible. But it's, it's no longer this idea of the divine coming down. It's no longer just unique to the Christian tradition. In fact, many of you have picked up and read uh, fables and myths and, and fiction. You've read about mythology and you've read stories about divinity coming down and interacting and and you've even seen movies that attempt to fill in the gaps of of how does all of this work and depending on what you've read in mythology uh, you start maybe recognizing that uh, humans are trying to understand god and so as people wrote different myths they describe gods who have features similar to humans but it's really hard for us to understand what God is like because uh, we don't, you know, we're, we're limited in our abilities. And so movies do and books do sometimes fill in the gaps of our understanding. And so what I want to do is I want to try to, even before we read from the Bible story of God coming to earth, I want to contrast uh, the Bible's story with some different ideas about God coming down. And so I want to first show you a, a video clip from um, some science fiction, some some different movies. The first one is the movie The Clash of the Titans, where uh, there's some gods gathered together, and they're discussing how they might deal with uh, the mortals down on earth. And they're angry because the mortals on earth have crossed a line, and they've made the gods angry. And so you're going to see this video clip uh, from The Clash of the Titans, and you'll watch uh, to see their decision uh, to do something about the situation down on the earth. So take a look. Zeus, you must bring an end to this. They attack our temples. Now they dare to desecrate Zeus's image. We could reach out to them. An accommodation could be made. A truce. Now! I created them. And they reward my love with... Defiance? There will be no truth. Find me some rage from you. How long has it been? How long, brother, since you've seen my face? Hades. Tempered with love 
You created them for one reason, so their prayers would fuel our immortality. But you love them too well. They've grown strong. And now I am forced to rise, because we are all threatened. What do you want, brother? Let me loose upon them. They will pray again, and you will bathe in their awe and fear. And we will grow strong again. He belongs in the underworld, not here. You do not tell me where I belong. You say it is love that feeds us. But you depend on their love. I've only learned to live on their fear, their pain. Zeus, our brother speaks the truth. Hear him. Go. Do what you will. Father, we need the mortals. No, Apollo. Hades is right. Their insolence has a price. Like children, they need to be reminded of the order of things. Set an example, brother. Turn them on each other. And back into our arms. So in this movie, you might take away that some gods come down to punish. Uh, again, the, the humans on earth, the mortals have crossed the line. And so there's scenes like this or stories like this that maybe you've picked up along the way, you've read about or you've seen where you begin to form an impression or an understanding of, of who God is and how he interacts with us. Uh, here's, here's another movie. gives you sort of a different idea uh, from the movie Thor. It's one of the Marvel films. And, and in this scene, uh, Thor has crossed a line. Thor is the son of Odin. And so again, these are, these are, uh, these are gods in a, in a divine realm. And Thor, the son of Odin, uh, went too far, and now he's being punished by his father, Odin. So you're going to see this scene. So take a look. Why did you bring us back? Realize what you've done, what you've started? I was protecting my home. You had a need to protect your friends. How can you hope to protect the kingdom? Send the healing room. No! There won't be a kingdom to protect if you're afraid to act. The Jotuns must learn to fear me, just as they once feared you. That's pride and vanity talking, not leadership. You've forgotten everything I taught you. But a warrior's patience... While you wait and be patient, the Nine Realms laugh at us. The old ways are done, you'd stand giving speeches while Asgard falls. You are a vain, greedy, cruel boy! And you are an old man and a fool! was a fool to think you were ready. Father. Hey! Thor, Odin's son, you have betrayed the express command of your king. Through your arrogance and stupidity, you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and desolation of war! Unworthy of these realms, unworthy of your title, you're unworthy of the loved ones 
You have betrayed. I now take from you your power. In the name of my father, and his father before. I own it all, father. Cast you out! So Thor is, is banished from the divine realm because of his arrogance. You see in that scene. Because he was arrogant, his pride cost him his power, uh, it cost him his place, and he is sent down to earth as a punishment. And, and so you have these different ideas. So before again, before we look at the Bible and the description of, of the God of the Bible... There are some contrasting ideas on divinity. And so in the Clash of the Titans, you, you learn that some gods come down to punish. Uh, in Thor, you discover that some gods come as a punishment, like in Thor's case there. So when, when it comes to us trying to understand the God of the Bible, we do maybe already have some ideas in our mind about divinity descending, but... As you read the story of the Bible and you let God inform our understanding through his word, you realize, wow, there's nothing quite like the story of Christmas. And so what I want to do in this message today and in this series is I want us to stop and ponder what actually happened. This is more than a story. This really happened. What did this and what did this all mean to them? And what does it mean for us here and now? The Christmas story, when you fully grasp it, it makes you go, I can't believe that. Now, a lot of people don't grasp it. A lot of people don't really seek to even understand what was God doing. But this story in the Bible, it draws in, it draws us in, and and it it captures our focus on a whole other level. So what we're going to do is, over the three weeks in this series, we're going to ask and try to answer a handful of, of questions, and maybe these have been your personal hang-ups. And here's some of the questions I want us to wrestle with in this series. The first is this, what is God What is God like? And how can we know him? And why did he come? And finally, why should I trust him? And I want to start by just asking God to speak to us. And so would you pray with me? Father, we, we, we welcome you, Father, to this time. We pray that you would give us understanding. You would turn on uh, the... Uh, the lights in our minds, Lord, help us to understand your word, help us to understand life from your perspective. Uh, we need your help to do that, so I pray for uh, focus right now. I pray against distractions. We ask for your help and presence in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's Christmas, and the word Christmas, it, it comes from the Old English Christ Mass, Christ's Mass, and it's the annual church holiday service where we would celebrate the fact that God stepped down into our world, coming down in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus entered into our world in a very, very quiet way. He did so. And this was a crucial event that most of the world in his day actually missed his entrance. And still today, it's it's possible that we could be completely drawn into the celebration of the season that we're in and completely miss the details of God's invitation to us. Now John, as we open up the Bible, John, one of the eyewitnesses who wrote 
five books in the New Testament, he invites us to check out the important details. And so when he wrote his biography covering Jesus' life, known as the Gospel of John, it's the fourth book in the New Testament, uh, before John dives into the words of Jesus and the actions of Jesus, so before he gives anything about what Jesus did and what he said, John wrote a prologue that shows us who he was. And so the, ver- the first 18 verses, this prologue of, of John's Gospel, were written to make sure people who read this this book would later know who who Jesus was. They would know Jesus' true identity. So and it's sort of an interesting way he does it. It's sort of like you know how in some movies there's there's suspense that follows a veiled superhero, you know, the person that's behind the mask. Uh, and the question is we're watching any of the movies where there's a masked figure, the question is always who who is that person behind the mask? Who's the who's the character behind there? Well, John, in a similar way, in his prologue, he reveals the identity of the key figure in the story. And this person's existence that we're going to look at is unlike any other. And this is really important because some people miss the important details of the identity of this character. And when it comes to Jesus, some people think that Jesus was just just a man. And they read the, the stories about him and they think he was, he was a man, he... Others think, oh, he was a miracle worker. Maybe, maybe he was a magic man. Some would say he was maybe even a messenger or a prophet. Someone who had all the answers. Someone who was really caring and kind. But the big question is, was he more? And John's prologue, these first 18 verses, sets the record straight on who this actually was. And so, here's what we learn in the very first few verses of John, chapter 1. We learn this, that the Creator came to relate to the people he created. He came, the Creator came to relate to the people He created. So let's look at what John specifically says, John 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. And so what John does is he starts by drawing in two audiences. He, he draws in both the Jews and the Greeks. And so he uses these first three words, in the beginning. And this phrase would have meant something to the Jews uh, when he began with this phrase, in the beginning. The Jews immediately would have thought to themselves, so I know where John is going. He is going back to Genesis. Genesis 1-1, the first verse in the whole Bible, the account of creation, the creation of the world. John writes, in the beginning. And they're thinking, yeah, okay, Genesis 1-1, I'm tracking with you, John. Genesis 1-1, it reads this, in the beginning... If you flip to the back of the Bible, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so, John, he draws and he pulls in the Jewish listener with this familiar phrase. But then he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so the Jews, they would have understood this, uh, the Word, in the beginning was the Word. This this word, Word, it's it's the Greek word is logos. It, it means the expression of divine power and wisdom. And so the Jews would have understood that, that God created things. He had the ability to express and, and create things out of his words. So in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So God has the ability, the power to speak things with his word into existence. So the Jews are thinking, Lagos has, uh, the word has to do with God's power. They understood this concept. God has this power, this divine power and expression. 
Now, the Greeks, the, the educated Greeks, would have understood that this logos, the word, it would mean similarly the, the, the principle of, of reason and order in the universe, but in an abstract way, the abstract principles of reason, the abstract principles of order that make up the universe. And, and logos was the creative, for the Greeks, it was the creative force behind the world. It's the power that made everything. And I think, so, John, at this point, Everyone is tracking with John through verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then in verse 2, it gets a little bit more personal. It says, He was with God in the beginning. So the Word was with God in the beginning. This is personal. This is no longer abstract. This is personified because it's, John uses the pronoun He. He was with God in the beginning. It's a person. He's eternal. He already existed in the beginning. He was with God the Father there at the beginning of the creation of the universe. So you can't even just think, oh, John is going back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No, he's actually saying before all that, he was with God in the beginning. Before the creation, he was there. And look at verse 3. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. So, God spoke the world into existence. You can, you can check the account of, of creation in Genesis 1. But John, what he's doing is he's making sure that his listeners, his readers, are, are going to be able to connect all the dots that in the beginning was the Word. He's the Creator. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word is God Himself. This would have been clear to the Jews what John was declaring here. The Word that he's writing about, this person known as the Word, is the creator of the whole earth. And, and John reveals the identity of this person in verse 14. So let's skip down to verse 14 and read. Here's what John writes. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth. Now John walked with Jesus. He, he was one of His disciples. So he could actually say, we observed His glory because he was up close. He saw who this was. He had some privileged opportunities to walk very closely with Jesus and see God work through him miracles. He could see, wow, this was a God who came, the God, the eternal God, who came down to earth. And John is making his point really clear. He's trying to draw in anyone who might explore Jesus' biography uh, that this character is God himself. Jesus is God himself. He took, he's God who took on flesh descended from heaven to earth. This is called the incarnation, to take on flesh. I want to show you from a different uh, book in the Bible, very, very similar passage of Scripture. So maybe keep John 1 handy because we're going to come back to it. But if you flip over to Colossians, the book of Colossians, a little later in the New Testament, chapter 1, uh, Paul, one of the church leaders, wrote this to Christians living in, in modern-day Turkey. John, uh, Colossians 1.15 reads, he, speaking of Jesus, he's the character in this part of Scripture, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things and by him all things hold together. So this, here in Colossians, matches up perfectly with John chapter 1. 
Now, there may, in our day and age, be some confusion about who Jesus is, but the Bible is consistent. You see, uh, there's not confusion. This is God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the one who everything was created by him and through him. He holds all things together. He has this divine power. And what we see is that the Creator, the Bible teaches, that the Creator came down to relate personally to the people that he created. I want to take this a step further and really allow this to sink in. The creator went to great lengths to connect to connect with us, his creation. So back to verse chapter 14 or chapter 1 verse 14 in John. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God stepped down and he takes on flesh. He takes on human form. He comes as a man. He's got flesh and bones. There's blood running through his veins. There's oxygen that would pump through his lungs. He felt the effects of, of our human experience. He could he would get tired. He would get hungry. He would become thirsty. Uh, he could enjoy things on earth. He would smile. He would laugh. He would celebrate. He could savor a great meal. I want to show you a, a scene from the series The Chosen. And it's currently, you can watch The Chosen. Uh, you can pull it onto your phone through the App Store and... And this brings to life Jesus, the God who came from heaven to earth. Take a look at this scene. as you see, Jesus would get cold. And so he's got to build a fire. You have a long day. So he, he starts getting tired. He He's hungry. And so he starts cutting his food and making something to drink. And, and again, he's experiencing life as a man, as a human. He willingly came and Jesus placed himself into a very limiting physical existence. He could also experience the pain like we do. You know, he would weep with people who experienced loss. He would uh, be ridiculed and, and he would feel that. He would be unjustly accused. He would feel that. He would be punished and beaten. And he physically felt the pain. Sometimes you watch movies that try to depict God's supernatural uh, or otherworldly beings like in some of the myth- mythological movies. And the gods can't be hurt. They're almost like uh, indestructible. Well, God comes in the person of Jesus and he felt it all. From birth to death, he walked in our shoes. And so when you think back to the to those movies about 
God's coming to earth. You know, they're, they're intriguing, aren't they? They're interesting. But Jesus was so very different than those, than those different stories. Jesus didn't come to punish humanity like you saw in the Clash of the Titans. Well, he also didn't come to earth as a punishment. He wasn't kicked out of heaven like Thor was kicked out of the divine realm. He wasn't, that's not why Jesus came because he was kicked out of heaven. That's not what, what the Bible teaches us. No. Jesus came to take our punishment. Jesus became a man and he took upon himself what you and I deserved. And he did this. He became human because he wanted us to feel understood. When someone has walked in your shoes and then they try to speak into your life, if they've truly known your life, then you feel understood by them and you trust them. That's what happens when we feel like someone knows us and and understands us. I mean, we're more comfortable to relate to that person, to listen to what they say. And by descending from heaven to earth and coming as Jesus did, Jesus was uniquely qualified to represent humanity. And through his death and resurrection, he built a bridge for imperfect humanity to relate to the perfect God. And this is great, great news. Jesus came to bring hope, and we need that. Because you and I, we we can really make a mess of things. In fact, all of us, the Bible tells us, and we've experienced that all of us have gone our own way in life. The Bible calls that sin. It's where we decide to, to, to go our own way, to be Lord and King and God over our world, to be in charge, to, to lead our lives the way we want. The Bible calls that sin, going our own way, living independent from God. None of us has a perfect track record in how we do life. And so, because of that, we've been separated from God. We find ourselves distant from God because of our sin. And so, we needed someone to bridge the gap to rebuild a relationship with the God who made us and the God who loves us. And and here's something that was true back then and is still true today. Jesus had a mixed reception from the people that he made. So John chapter 1, that prologue, look at John 1 verse 10. Speaking again of the word, he was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Now again, we know who this is. This is Jesus. He came to his own. His own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So here's a few thoughts from these verses. First, all were slow to recognize him. When it came to Jesus, not everyone recognized who he really was. This word recognize means to acknowledge who he actually was. And this, this really shouldn't surprise us. We see, uh, with our own natural eyes, we, we draw conclusions based on what we see naturally. We think naturally, we see naturally, and we think about life on this realm. And, and we just, we make conclusions. And so people saw Jesus as a man and made natural conclusions. But with Jesus, there was clearly more than meets the eye. This is God in the flesh. Now, verse 11, it tells us he came to his own, and yet his own people did not receive him. He's born to, a, to an earthly family. And we're going to actually look more closely at that next in the next two weeks. He's born into a Jewish family, and he went uh, to his own people, the nation of Israel. But, essentially, all people were really slow to recognize him. But secondly, many, and sadly, many rejected him. 
I want to show you this prophecy from God uh, through a prophet 700, over 700 years before Jesus came. This is a prophecy about the Messiah who would come. This is Isaiah chapter uh, 53, verse 3. It, It reads this. It reads, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone, uh, someone people turned away from. He was despised, and we didn't value him. I want to show you a scene again from The Chosen, from Jesus' life and his ministry, that really highlights this aspect of, of his rejection. Take a look. You Jewish boys are far from home. Yes, as a matter of fact, we are. Shalom to you, too. Here's our traditional Jewish greeting for you. Don't lift a finger. That was a warning. Try it again and see what happens. Quiet, Big James. Shalom to you, too. You filthy dogs! I said quiet. Let us do something. What would that achieve? Defending your honor. They reviled and humiliated you. They deserve to have bolts of lightning rain down and incinerate them. Yes, fire from the heavens. Fire? You said we could do things like that. Say the word and it will happen. Why not? We knew we couldn't trust these people. We shouldn't have come here in the first place. They don't deserve you. Wow, even as Jesus was rejected by many, he stayed the course. What what God is, is like this? Those disciples are saying, Jesus, we know you have all the power. They'd already seen the miracles. We know you have all the power and that you can uh, call down fire from heaven. Go ahead and do it. (laughs) They're so frustrated that they're being rejected, that they're being spit on. And Jesus, the God who has the power, the creator of the universe, the God of the universe, he, he restrains and he limits himself by becoming a man. And he holds back his power. Now consider this. It's Christmas time. You might not hear anything about Christ in the stores or the mall or the movies that pull us into the nostalgia of, of this whole season. You've got to work really, really hard and be very intentional to find Christ in Christmas today. That's because still many people have rejected him, have not made any place for him. We're also told this, that some, some people received him. He started with a few men, few women. He called them to follow him, and they did. They became his disciples, his followers. And this movement started with a few, and it has grown and grown and grown. And now Christianity, nearly one-third of the world's population, from a few men and women to about 31% of the population, currently claims uh, Christianity. And, and you know, within 100 years, 150 years of Christ's death, Still, there was like 1% of the, of the population were Christians. But this movement has grown and grown and spread and spread. And God's church continues to advance and spread. So be encouraged. Some people will receive him. Jesus, our creator, came to make a way for us, for you and I to have a relationship with God. We, we get to be a part of sharing this hope, the hope of the world. And Jesus was willing to bear the punishment that we deserved by building a bridge so that you and I can relate to God personally and experience forgiveness and eternal life and to have real hope. This is the best news. Now, this is great news for all who believe in him. Look at John 1, verse 12 again. It reads, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. The word believe here in the Bible, 
And in this passage and throughout the New Testament is a Greek word that means to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. It's, it's I'm staking all of my life on this belief. And when you believe and receive Jesus Christ, this is the reception that makes all the difference. You're given the right to become a child of God. And here's how you do that. In case you're wondering, what does it mean to become a Christian? I want to highlight four things very quickly. At first, it means to believe that Jesus died for your sin and he rose again. That This is God who had come to earth. He died on the cross for our sin and he rose from death. Second, to admit that, that you're a sinner who needs forgiveness. That you've gone your own way. To admit that is, is to just admit to God, God, I have lived independent from you. I've tried to do life on my own, to try to make up my own plan, my own rules, and, and I'm experiencing the mess and the consequences of all that. I admit I'm a sinner. And then third, to repent of your sin. It's, it's to say, I can't keep going my own way. This isn't working, and so I repent of all that. And you start, you turn away from going your own way, and you turn your life around towards God. And then, fourth, you receive Him as Lord. You yield your life to Him. Jesus, you lead my life. So John one twelve again, look at it again. But to all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name. And now this is not what we hear in our culture. On the radio, on our culture, I mean, it's just sort of a common cultural phrase is the phrase, everyone is a child of God. But we need to clearly state that the Bible says that everyone is a creation of God, made in God's image, but only those who receive Him has He given the right to become children of God, to relate in this personal way to Him. It's for those who receive Him. And so, Many, many of our Christmas carols include this idea of receiving, of receiving him because that's what the Bible teaches us. And so maybe the most well-known Christmas carol, Joy to the World, states this, Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And as, as we begin to wrap up, consider how in this passage from John chapter 1, we see that, that some people were ready for Jesus, ready to receive him, and some people were not. So what about you? Are you prepared to receive Christ? I want to wrap up with this final story. There, there's this beautiful estate. Here's a picture of the Muckross house in Ireland. And this is a beautiful, beautiful home. The most important thing that ever happened there was a visit from Queen Victoria of England. And at the time, the Queen was ruler over Great Britain, over Ireland, even India. And she was a pretty big deal. And uh, this the owners of this estate prepared for the queen's visit by putting up tapestries and mirrors and put out, you know, beautiful china, silverware, instruments, linen, all of this stuff, fancy uniforms for all of their servants. They spent several years preparing for the queen's visit, sparing no expense. In fact, when you hear the story, they may have spent way too much to get ready for her visit because, sadly, when Queen Victoria arrived, she wasn't all that impressed. And instead of staying for a while, she cut her visit short and headed back home to her palace in England. How sad. All of that work. Now, here's a picture of, of Queen Victoria. And she's honestly, you know, she, here's a couple of pictures. And she's honestly, looks like she'd be someone pretty hard to impress anyways. Now, can you imagine that? Just being rejected. And, and after all of that work, aren't you glad Jesus, our creator, he intentionally came to be with us. 
to connect with us, to walk with us. Aren't you glad he did? He wasn't content to just rule us from a distance. He wasn't content to lord it over us and, 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 and just to sort of push us down and subject it. No, he came to live among us. He didn't come down to look down his nose at us and make us feel inadequate. No, he came as a person and he arrived in the, really the lowliest of places, a manger. And I hope you'll come back over the next couple of weeks as we look deeper into this. I want to encourage you as we get into this Christmas season, how, however you do, whether you, you know, light up your house, wrap, you know, wrap your house in lights, whether you trim your tree, whether you enjoy treats or, or watch the classic Christmas movies as you prepare and decorate for Christmas and get ready, we can remember that all of our decorations and all of our traditions are meant to be symbols of our hearts preparing room for Jesus, the one who descended, left heaven for us. And Jesus is still willing to come to the humblest of homes and dwell with people who simply prepare him room. And I want to encourage you to think about that. Think about the truth in this message and apply them through taking a next step. Now here's a, here's a suggestion for a first next step is to respond to him by receiving Christ. If you've never believed in Jesus and never received him, we would love to help you do that. On your connection card, digital connection card, you can let us know if you'd like to learn how to follow Christ. We would love to share with you what that means. You can contact us. Let us know on your connection card. If you have any questions, any comments you'd like to learn how to receive Christ, please let us know so we can follow up with you. Second, get drawn into the Christmas season. Prepare might be just to prepare my own home, prepare my heart as I. And then look at this list of things to apply. Maybe put up lights, remembering Jesus is the light. And as you're, as you're stringing the lights, just remember that. Or wrapping Christmas presents, just commemorating Jesus is God's gift, God's present to us. Or as you put up the tree and the decorations, just that you remind yourself that God's love for us is evergreen in Jesus. Or, or sing songs from Jesus's, about Jesus' arrival reflecting on the messages in those songs like joy to the world and on or or to go back through john chapter one and read and reflect further on this message and then another thing i would just encourage is check out the chosen this there's a christmas special uh, that you can check out as well we would really encourage you to 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 learn more about uh, god his love for you and how he came here so we thank you for for joining us today let's let's pray as we wrap up God, we thank you for our time. We thank you for uh, an opportunity to turn our hearts and turn our attention to see Jesus, the reason for the season. Lord, help us to not miss this in all the busyness. Lord, help us not to miss him, why he has come, uh, what uh, and how we can connect with you through relationship with Jesus, the Son. We're so grateful, Lord, uh, for your kindness to us that you would look our way and show this and demonstrate this kind of love for us. I pray for each person that is watching, Lord. Help us to respond to you in this season, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.